I'm thankful you're all here today. Uh, isn't it a great world we live in? reading the news this week and you know who's sleeping with who I was reading about these professional athletes and one was uh, sleeping with someone who wasn't his wife someone else's girlfriend and there was a riff on the team uh, you know you can watch on TV there's the bachelors and bachelorettes and stuff right and who's having a sleep over there uh you know, it's a great world we live in, uh, that we can keep up with the Kardashians. And we can know what they're wearing and how much they're showing when they're wearing. And uh, it's highlighted. It's picture after picture uh, right before us over and over again. Isn't it great? Uh, isn't it great to have, uh, to be raising uh, young men, young women? In a world like today, uh, inundated with pornography, uh, that you can get, uh, you don't even have to go to the liquor store. Uh, you can get it in your home, uh, in the privacy of your own home. And uh, for those who avail themselves to it, they, children can get it in their bedrooms. They can get it on their phones. They can get it anywhere. Isn't it a great world we live in? Uh, this morning... We're in the study of 1 Thessalonians, and we're in chapter 4. If you'd turn there, uh, we will look to God's Word this morning for the answers of living in a world with great opportunities, but also great temptations. Uh, we will look to the Lord for the answers and for uh, the path that we can take as we can be God's people in the midst of a uh, crooked and perverse generation. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you from chapter 4, those first eight verses. God's word says this, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you have received from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, uh, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, and that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in passionate lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this manner, because the Lord is the avenger in all these things. As we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God. Who gives his Holy Spirit to you. God, we ask your guidance and your unction uh, in our lives that we might obey you. That your word would uh, change us now. That it would thrill our hearts. That we would embrace it with joy. That we would not resist you. That we would not resist your word. That we would not have our own ideas. 
God, that our ideas would be let go of and yours would replace it as the anchor for us. God, we thank you uh, for this time. We ask that you would glorify yourself in us. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. As we uh, look to God's Word, uh, a lot of passages in the New Testament are like that. We hear uh, of the gospel coming to an area, uh, a people, a group of people, uh, embrace it, begin a church, and then as, uh, as we move on from there, there's a way to live from there. Uh, because of what the Lord has done, because of His change that He's brought to a life, a life is to be different. So for our context this morning, uh, it's as if Paul's saying, so you're saved. So you've trusted in Christ. You've been saved from your sins. You're now in a loving relationship, uh, both with, Paul was saying, with him, but also with one another. You're displaying that. Uh, you're in a now a loving relationship in the church with believers. You've been made brothers and sisters. You've been made family. And then he says this, uh, and he keeps bringing it up. Uh, the Lord's going to return. The Lord's going to return. So you've been saved. You're in great community fellowship, and the Lord's going to return. And it's kind of on that basis where he says, so how should you live? How should you live knowing that you're saved, knowing that you're in sweet fellowship with one another, with believers, you've been connected in this new family. Uh, how, uh, knowing that the Lord's going to return, how is it that you should live? How should that impact the way you look at life? And I think, um, well, it's interesting. Uh, there's always a struggle from every generation of preachers, especially the young, uh, that would say, hey, hey, I need to be relevant. I need to uh, be able to connect to people. And as I look at this passage, I think we'll be okay. I think we'll be okay to be relevant this morning. I think it'll be okay to uh, uh, connect a culture from many years ago to a culture of today. Uh, because I think these thoughts uh, speak to our situation right now. I, they, they may seem to you to be old-fashioned. Um, and the question I would ask you, are they old-fashioned or are they timeless? Are they timeless? Uh, are they timeless because they come from our Lord? The one who knows us best, the one who created us, the one who loves us, the one who cares for us, the one who knows the future, the one who holds eternity in His hand. And so we look to God's Word and we begin a section of holy exhortations and instruction. It's how to be holy, how to be holy. And you could say it this way, how to be holy in a dirty world. How to be holy when nobody else is being holy. How to be holy even after being unholy. Uh, this is the path for us. He begins chapter 4 by saying, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us, even as I read that, I go, he hasn't said anything yet, right? He's used a lot of words, 
And, and what he's doing, he's building for an emphasis. He's, he's connecting a few dots here. He's saying uh, a couple of things. He's saying this. He's appealing to them. Uh, he, he's about to give the umbrella principle or principles <coughs> that uh, will be helpful for you. This powerful emphasis, both from him, from his friendship to them, as well as the authority of the Lord Jesus. And this is what it is. This is what it is. These are the two influential ways that we can affect the next generation. Uh, there, there's two of them. There's one is relationship, and the other is the authority of the Lord Jesus. Uh, and so you say it like this to your kids to your grandkids, to your spouse. You say, this is what the Lord wants you to do. This is what the Lord wants you to do. And this is how I know it comes from His Word. And you also say, and I want you to do that as well. I, I, I beg you to do what's best for you. And that's what he's about ready to say. He's, he's going to beg them to do what is best for them on the basis of their relationship to one another, Paul to them, but also on the basis of their relationship to the Lord Jesus, and not just their relationship, but his authority over them. Okay? So it's on that basis. And I want to tell you, uh, I want to get there, that he's going to give this general umbrella principle of all of life. And it's this. Um, walk to please God. Walk to please God. This word walk uh, is one of uh, Paul's favorites. He, he loves talking about this. And, and what it is, it's this idea that it's living life. It's living life. It's, it, it's this idea of participating in life in the uh, steps of life that you take that that should be something, that is something. In fact, everyone has that. Uh, you can uh, ask the question, well, how are you walking? How are you walking? How is the course of your life going? Where are you going? How are you getting there? Uh, wh what is your attitude while you're on the road, this walk of life? He says, he, he says in a very vague terms, and he uses this idea of ought to walk. And th the idea there is this, and, and think about this. He's talked over and over and over again about how beautiful it is that they've embraced the gospel, that Jesus died for sinners. Jesus died for sinners. And that by receiving him, receiving that forgiveness, that we have a new life. And that changes us. And so uh, he goes back to this. And because of accepting the gospel, receiving the gospel, our life should be different. Our life should be different. And there's a, a, a way to live or a way to walk because you've been in contact with the gospel. Let me say it this way. Uh, if you've received the forgiveness of sins, the idea of us continuing in those same sins or running back to them or never leaving them, it seems ridiculous because that's what he saved us from. He saved us from those sins. And so he presents them. He said, you, you know, there's a way you ought to walk. And he even goes back to that. We don't have it recorded, but he had already told them this. He'd already talked about it with them. 
He'd already shared with them, and he's, he's refreshing their memory. He's calling them back to that, that they should walk as they ought to walk that in reflection of the gospel. And then he says this very important um, for us, very important principle. He says this, chapter 4, verse 1. He says, receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. Please God. Now, when, when you hear this, you hear this, some of you buck right away. You say, oh, that's work salvation. You know, uh, the idea of us having to please God, um, that's work salvation. And so maybe I'm misunderstanding that. Maybe, maybe uh, Paul's just getting at, he's just saying, I'm supposed to please myself, do whatever pleases myself. I want to tell you the idea of you pleasing yourself is not part of the gospel. It's not. In fact, it's, it's the thoughts that led you into sin from the very beginning. The idea that you do what's pleasing to yourself, that's led you into a life of sin. And I'll say this, a life of sin, a life of deadness, spiritual deadness. I realize this message opposes the culture we live in. The culture we live in says, please yourself. That's what's most important. Do what's good for you. Do what you feel like is good for you. Pursue whatever you think is right. How many times have you said, and I say said because I know that this uh, fills our thoughts as well, I deserve to be happy. Deserve to be happy. I, you know, I, I've been pleasing other people. I've been following after God. I've been doing, but I deserve to be happy. I want to tell you that's not uh, what the Scripture teaches. In this passage, a reflection of the gospel coming to Christ. How do you walk in holiness? How do you now live? It, it's simple. You live to please God. Sometimes we say, well, I, I do what I want to do. I'm an adult now. I'm 48 years old. I don't need to do what anybody else tells me to do. I'm a big boy now. I don't care what my mom thinks. I don't care what my dad thinks. I don't care what my spouse thinks. I don't care what my kids think. I don't care what anyone thinks. I do what I want. I want to tell you, that is directly opposed to what the gospel plays itself out. We accept the gospel. We now are bought and paid for by our loving Lord, our loving Lord. And now uh, we are called to please Him, to please Him. This, this is what life ought to look like now as we are living to please Him. I share this with you, and I wanted to make the point clear, but I want to tell you this as well. You'll be pleased at pleasing God. You'll be fulfilled. You know what? The idea of pleasing yourself, you know what that led you into? A life of heartache and pain and emptiness and guilt and a feeling of filth. and Oh, why do I feel this way? 
and, and a life of even searching for it more. It, it's interesting about sin. We think that we can take it just a taste and it'll taste good and then we can walk away. But the taste says, oh, it's good for a moment, but then it's gone and it leaves an emptiness and it causes us to say, I need more, I need more, I need more. Not true with pleasing God. Pleasing God is fulfillment. It's fulfillment. It's living life the way we were intended to live. It's living life uh, how we were sa- what we were saved for. It's the general umbrella principle of all of life. That we walk as we ought to walk, pleasing God. I don't want to miss this, but I have a lot to say this morning. But at the end of verse 1, he says, uh, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. It wasn't that they weren't doing this. Uh, It wasn't Timothy brought back a report and he said, um, you know, they're doing terribly in Thessalonica. They're not walking. But he uh, brought back a good report, one that would encourage him. We looked at that last week. But I want to tell you, it's this idea of abounding, of more and more that we would love and pursue and please God more and more. It's this idea that in in small, simple, childlike ways, as we come to faith, that we trust Him and we say, I want to please God with this decision. I want to... I know that this is wrong, so I need to please God here. But as you continue to walk, there's a sense of abounding in this, that it would happen more and more, that it would continue. And even as you have come here this morning, I trust that most of you here this morning are living to please God. And I want to tell you more and more, more and more. As we look at the other areas of our lives, the things that we are dealing with on a day-to-day basis, that we would abound in this heart that lives as it ought to walk and to please Him. Which moves us to verse 2. And uh, it's interesting to me that even as He has called uh, His people to the umbrella principle that covers all of life, ought to walk, uh, live to please God, he, He said this is the way you should live. He goes straight for sexual immorality. And I want to tell you, uh, as I look at our culture today, this is where we're at as well. Uh, This is where our youth ministry is at. This is the the world we are to be preparing our our children, even our little ones for, is, is a world of sexual immorality. And I want to tell you, what he's doing is he gives the umbrella principle, but now he is giving a particular, a huge area for them. And he says, this is how this idea of pleasing God works when it comes to your sexual life. The way you deal with your body and with those around you. And I just say it this way, God's will for you is holiness. God's will for you is holiness. That's what He saved you for. That's what He saved you to. That's what He is calling you to in eternity. God's will for you is holiness. In other words, purity. Uh, He's called you to purity. We'll get to that in a a bit. But this idea that when it comes to our uh, most intimate relationship, 
Uh, he says he's called you to purity. He's called you to holiness. Chapter uh, 4, verse 2, it says this, uh, For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. When he says the word sanctification, he's talking about the process and of bringing you to holiness. He saved you from being unholy. He saved you from the sins that had defiled you. And he's in the process of making you and, and causing you to be the holy one that he has saved you for. That's sanctification. And uh, as we look in uh, ancient world, it's interesting to me that we always say, and I, as I started off our service, most of you would acknowledge that our world is a perverse place right now, today. But you say, you know, there were the good old days. There were the good old days. And I want to tell you that every culture and maybe even more so in the Bible, without technology, by, have you, the cities of the New Testament were filled with all kinds of perversion. And there were uh, false religions based upon this uh, different perverse sexual acts that, that impacted communities. And it caused a city and a town and an area to act in a certain way. And it's like a, a, a ferocious fire that starts in a small place, but it just goes out from there. And it affects the cities that we even speak of today in the New Testament and in Thessalonica. He says, uh, in the midst of a sinful, perverse world, he said, God's will for you is your sanctification. And I want to say it this way. God's will for your children. Sanctification. God's will for your grandkids. is Sanctification. Uh, it, it, you've got the plan. You've got the plan. And what I mean by that is this. That uh, I don't want to confess too much here. But uh, as parents, sometimes you don't know what you're doing, right? You don't know what to chase after, what activity to participate in. what and, and so most of us struggle with just doing this. Yes, yes, y yes, that too, I'll take that. Yes, yes. And it's like going to Costco, right? You're just grabbing stuff and you're grabbing stuff and you get up there and there's thousands of dollars and you, and you get home and you go, why did I get all this stuff? That's many uh, of us how we parent. We say, uh, and, then, and then you're frustrated. You say, well, I don't have any money. It's because you spent it all at Costco. And, and, and this idea is, that, well, I, 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 I wanted something over here, but I don't have any money for it. It's because you spent it all at Costco. And so there's this idea that you, you say you can't say yes to everything. Because if you say yes to everything, you're saying no to the things that maybe you really want, the things that you are most important. And I want to tell you this. What's most important for you, your spouse, your children and your grandchildren is their sanctification, that they would be participating and growing in holiness, that they would be changing because of the gospel and God's work and His ongoing work in their lives. This is what's most important. And so as that being the priority, 
Then you say yes and no to the things that come up. I want to tell you, some of us are saying yes to the wrong things. Wrong things. We're treating casually the things of God, and, and we're looking at the things of this world. And we go, we got to go, have to go. Somebody told me I had to go. Coach said there was practice. Well, coach needs to hear every once in a while. I'm not going to be there. It's a great look. Watch their face, too, when you say it. Where are you going to be? I'm going to be at church. Where do they got going? Are, you gotta, are your parents making you go? No, I'm going. I'm going. It's good. It's good for a teacher. Now we're getting crazy here. I'm going to get crazy, okay? <laughs> it's good for a teacher to say, well, this was due. I didn't have time to do it. <laughs> what do you mean you didn't have time to do it? Yeah, I was at youth group last night. Went to winter camp this weekend and didn't have time to do it. Okay, well, I'm going to stick it to you. Fine. <laughs> How do you like that? <laughs> I want to tell you it's important. You can't say yes to everything. The, the, the will of God is your sanctification, that He would be changing you to making you the, what He wants you to be. I, if you skip back to the previous chapter, chapter 3, remember uh, Paul's fear. As he was considering them, he, he, he had a fear. It's in verse 5, chapter 3, verse 5. He, he says this, he says, um, that, that as he was afraid and he was wondering how they were doing, he, he said, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. He was fearful that the tempter would be doing his work of tempting and that he would be drawing away. I, I can't help but think these things are connected. That uh, isn't that the fear of a parent isn't that the fear as your kids go out at night? You fear that, that the tempter would cause them to be tempted and that they would give in. This idea that they would uh, pursue that which would be bad for them and the ruin of them. And so with this in mind, uh, he tackles this one area of sexual immorality. He says this, um, as we would consider his path of holiness for us. Verse 3 says, for this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. The idea of abstaining, most of us use that word. We understand what it means. It's the idea that we are uh, to constantly keep away from. It's the idea of holding one's self back. It's the idea of saying, I'm not a part of that, of backing away, of of back. And I like the picture, the the word picture, in this particular word of holding oneself back. Don't ever be so naive. Don't, Don't ever be so naive that it would never happen to you. Don't ever be that naive. And even more so, parents and grandparents, don't ever be so naive as to look at your children and go, oh, it won't be mine. My, my kids don't think that way. Don't be so naive. He calls us, all of us, the idea of abstaining, of holding oneself back from not participating 
from abstaining from sexual immorality. That word sexual immorality is a common one in the New Testament for this. It's porneia. It's the idea of all kinds of sexual sin. It's this every form of sexual practice that lies outside the circle of God's will. And I'll just say it this way. Uh, namely, premarital sex, extramarital sex, homosexual sex, and any other perversion that is outside of what God has designed for sex to be. As we look at this, I, I, I want to I warn you, he's already talked about the tempter tempting you. There's a danger for us to believe the lies. And the lies go like this. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. For some of us who are older, we, we might say it like this. Oh, I did all kinds of things. I did all kinds of things. And, and I turned out okay. I turned out okay. Uh, everybody's doing it, you know. Uh, why would I expect that uh, myself, my children, or my grandchildren would be any different? Why, why should I expect that? Do you see that? how that's a lie? Do you see how that's giving up and saying, I, I don't care about sanctification. I don't care about holiness. I, I give it up to the tempter. It's not going to be that bad. You know, uh, it, it won't do that much damage. I want to tell you, your God who loves you so much, who created you, He says this, abstain. Abstain. Hold yourself back from all the sins, all the, the sexual sins that are outside of what I've shared. And, and I want to tell you this. I want to tell you this. I want you to believe this, that that's best for you, your kids, and your grandkids. It's best for you. I think so often we look at God and we say, God, this idea of not being part of the culture, not doing what everyone else is doing, is ruining my life. I want to tell you, you be involved in the culture, you do what everyone else is doing, it will ruin your life. It will destroy, it will leave scars that, that are there for, for this lifetime. And I want to tell you, uh, there's grace for all. There's grace for all. And if, if you've made mistakes and if you've committed sins, God can cover those. But, but don't do this with the next generation. Don't say, because I made it, God covered me in His grace. That it doesn't matter for you either. I want to tell you, don't do it. But extend to them the path of God to them. So the first step is this, is to abstain abstaining uh, to hold yourself back from all sexual immorality. The second way to holiness when it comes to this area is self-control. Verse 4, that each uh, one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in passionate lust like the Gentiles do, who do not know God. Uh, this idea here is to learn how to, learn how to. It's a process. It's, it's the idea of teaching yourself by God's, with God's help, with His Spirit's help. He's going to get to the Holy Spirit being a part of your life later. But it's this idea that you're not alone. <coughs> I need to settle down. Oh. You're not alone. That, that as you consider uh, what God has called you to do, 
that, that you are to learn how to do this, but he is with you in that, and you are to learn how to control your own body. I want to tell you, uh, parents, uh, don't listen to your kids on this. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Your kids don't know what you're doing. You know how I know that? Because my kids don't know what they're doing, okay? And this idea that says, I'll just let them set their own boundaries. I'll let them decide who's a good friend and who's not. I'll let them decide how far they should go and how far they shouldn't go. I'll let them decide what movie they'll watch. I'll let them decide how much time to spend on the Internet and what to look at. I'll, I'll let them decide when it's time to get an iPhone. I'll let them decide where that iPhone goes at night, okay? I'll let them decide when they should stop texting, right? I'll let them decide. That, that's a horrible plan. Horrible. Because they have to learn to control themselves. And you don't do that by just throwing them out there and saying, good luck to you. The idea is that we as parents will learn ourselves how to control ourselves, to restrain ourselves. You know what, grandparents, one of the best things that you can do for your grandkids is tell them, Grandma can't watch that. Grandpa, he doesn't do that. That's filthy. I, I don't want to be a part of that. I, it's bad for me. And guess what? It's bad for your old grandpa who's 105. Ray Vaughn's having a birthday this week, right? I'm not saying anything. Son Scott's here being a good son. Good to see you, Scott. Uh, I want to tell you, that's good for your uh, kids to hear because they go, oh, if, I, if they can't handle it, I can't handle it. This isn't an after 21 activity, okay? This isn't something, and I want to tell you, you buy into that, you buy into it, you start acting upon it. And so he says, learn to control your own body. In what? In holiness and honor. The, the, the habits that you had pre-Christ, pre-coming to know Jesus, what were they? Holiness and honor? They were not. That's why you needed to be saved. You, you weren't uh, committed to being holy. You weren't committed to honoring the Lord with your body. And so, He saved you from that. If He saved you from that, you need to learn a different way. Habits need to change. Friendships need to change. Visuals need to change. Thoughts need to be changed. Actions need to be changed. He says, uh, learn to, to know how. It's, it, I, I want to tell you that it's not a momentary impulse, okay? Uh, it's a pursuit over time to learn this idea of self-control. Controlling your own body, understanding what it is to walk in holiness and honor. And then he says this, not like the Gentiles, not like the Gentiles. And this idea of the Gentiles is just those who don't follow after God. In some places it says the Greeks, but it's this idea that everyone who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ would be in this other category. And they are guided, they are guided as we were guided apart from Christ. By what? I do what I want. I do whatever I want. I fill my life. I, I chase after things. And he says, don't be like that. He says, 
Don't act like the unredeemed world. If you don't know God, you do what you want. Because there is no God. You are God. In fact, it's this idea that my heart cries out for it, I go get it. Doesn't matter if it's good or bad. In fact, we justify it by saying, I wanted to. I wanted to. And by the way, we make movies based on this, right? I have a husband. I have a wife. Things aren't working out. There's just no love and spark anymore. And so I, I meet this guy in the elevator or online or in a movie theater or, in a, you know, wherever. Escalator. How do you do that? But anyways, passing. I don't know. But, but something magical happened that didn't happen with my wife, that didn't happen with my husband, that didn't happen as God wanted it to. And somehow that was going to be better. And so I really found my soulmate. I, I left the one and went with the other. Or maybe it's just this magical night that we spent. We found somebody and we began dancing and we realized that we were perfect for each other. I want to tell you, this is not the way the redeemed live. This is not the way holy people live. This is the way people who don't know God live. Third point, he brings uh, us in this way of acting holy or living in holiness is this, the protection of others. In verse 6, it says this, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter uh, because the Lord is the avenger in all these things. As you were told beforehand and, and solemnly warned, th- th- this idea, and, and this is really important for us to get, is sometimes we look at sexual sin uh, as consenting adults. Uh, it's all, everyone agreed to it. There's no real uh, offense. You know, it's just a, a moment in time. No one's hurt by it. Uh, sometimes we look at uh, pornography that way too. We say, oh no, no one was hurt by it. No one's hurt by it. I want to tell you, because we were called to be in relationship, because we were called to both live in community and in the union of marriage, there is hurt, there is offense. And, and it's not just to your own soul, it's to the others as well. And this idea that God says, it's not just about you and what you want. It's not just about you satisfying your urges. It's about you realizing that there are other people in the world. And the ones that you would violate in sexual sin, it's a ruin to them as well, and you're leading them into that. And you say, well, does it matter? It doesn't matter. It's the idea that you participate in it. And the warning here is this, that we don't uh, ruin ourselves, but we don't ruin another. And God is the one who sees what we do. He sees what we do. So often we find ourselves as being people, we feel like we're getting away with it. No one ever knows it was on a business trip or it was this or that. and It was just something online. No one ever knows. And God says it's not about whether Paul knows. It's not about whether your spouse knows or your mom and dad knows. It's about that God knows. 
And he is the one who holds account. And lastly, you just said this, uh, for God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Call of purity. Call for holiness. Our relationship because our, our relationships, because of this new saving relationship, is called for purity or for holiness. And, and it helps you with life, you know. What, what's the pure way? What's the holy way? What's the worldly way? And you say, I take the holy way. Not because I am holier than thou. Because this is what I've been saved for. This is what I've been called to. He uses the word called to even emphasize the Lord's intention in your salvation of Him reaching out and grabbing you out of that sin. And why did He reach out and grip for holiness? For holiness. Last, last point uh, this morning. And it's the exclamation part. It's a warning. You look down at verse 8. It says, Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gives the Holy Spirit to you. So often, um, it happens here. It happens here. It happens everywhere. People will come to church. They'll dabble in Christianity. And they'll say, well, I go to that church, but I don't believe everything they teach. That's fine. That's fine. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. Um, And there are plenty of things in my life that I would say that you should and could disagree with. But know this, when it comes to sexual immorality, what I just shared with you, and I tried to maintain a pretty close connection to the text this morning so you could hear it. Uh, Paul says this, you can disregard this. You you, you can uh, say, forget it, I'm not buying it, but know this. You're not disregarding Kevin, your mom or your dad, your grandparents, the Apostle Paul. You're disregarding God. Sometimes we say, well, I I reject my church's teaching. I reject the pastor. I reject my parents' old ways of life. And I want to tell you, that's fine. That's fine. But make sure you know this. That if you disregard him in regards to your sexuality, you're disregarding him, not me, not your parents. Three things to take away uh, from our time this morning. Uh, Three last thoughts. First one is this, pleasing God is freeing and simple. I hope this morning as you heard that umbrella principle, you say that could be really be helpful this week. I don't need to please the world. I don't need to please everyone who's pushing in on me. I just need to remember this. What does God want me to do? What what would God want me to do? And that's what I'm going to do. Because pleasing Him is most important. It's not pleasing everybody else, and it's not pleasing myself. I want to tell you, it's simple, and it's freeing. It's freeing. Uh, You don't have to chase your tail anymore. Secondly, I just want to tell you this, reiterate, sexual sin is the grand ripoff. It's the grand ripoff. It promises so much. It promises this, that, and the other thing, but in the end, it leaves you empty. Remind yourself that God has a better way for you, your holiness. And lastly, um, you were saved to be different. You were saved to be different. That idea of holiness, that idea of sanctification is taking you out 
of that which is common and perishing and pulling you out to be special for Him. This is what He is saving. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning. I ask that these words uh, would impact our hearts, even if we are cold, even if we are struggling. And God, may your grace be our encouragement, that you grant forgiveness over and over again, that your grace is enough for us, and that uh, with your help, a true change can happen from the old life to the new. God, do your work in us as a church that we would be the church you want us to be, and may we impact future generations for you. Thank you for this time in Jesus' name.